in the midst of all the festivities and the, the carol singing and the, the fact that I'm hoping you're really enjoying our service uh, in your watch parties, in your family groups, or even if you're just watching it on your own, that the spirit of Christmas is actually coming to you. But I, I, I just want us to pause, not for long, but just enough to actually think about the celebration that we're actually enjoying right now. And I ask that, want to ask you the question, what does Christmas look like? Or more importantly, I guess, what should Christmas look like? Because I think when we think of Christmas, I believe we can easily be fooled into thinking that Christmas is a traditional celebration of events that happened in a world that is distant in both space and time with very little relevance to today's modern life. So today, the day before Christmas, I want to take us on a journey through time to see what the birth of Jesus meant for the people of his time and how that impacts us all 2,000 plus years later. Now, the first thing to note is that Jesus was expected, not only expected, but heralded. There are several prophecies in the Old Testament regarding his arrival, mostly, most notably this one in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now this is a powerful prophecy. It speaks of government and rulership with a hint of armies thrown in. The people of Israel in Jesus' time are under Roman occupation and their dream is for a leader to appear who is going to start an uprising, lead a revolution and turn the world order on its head, which is what this prophecy promises. But I hear you ask, what does the world today have in common with their world? We're not in need of such a saviour. Now, we don't have the opportunity to interview any of the people involved in the first Christmas. But if you read the account of these events in Luke's gospel, and I encourage you to do so, we can get a pretty good idea of what they were going through. Firstly, we meet this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now they're told by an angel that they will have a son who will announce the coming of God. Now we have to realize in this story, Elizabeth is well past childbearing age. So when she falls pregnant, they are overjoyed because they have always wanted to have children. Next, we meet this couple, Joseph and Mary, a couple of teenagers about to get married when their plans are overturned with the revelation that Mary is going to give birth to the Messiah while still a virgin and that their job is to form a loving family to bring Jesus up in. They feel honoured, but they're not quite so overjoyed. Then there are the shepherds, just minding their own business in the fields with their sheep, and wham! Suddenly they get the honour of being the first people to lay eyes on the Son of God. What an amazing turn of events for them. And then there's this bunch of Persian astronomers who've travelled thousands of kilometres to bring gifts to a child they believe will fundamentally change the world. So if we were able to do a 60 minutes in-style, in-depth interview, looking back at these events from sometime in the future, and we sat down these people and spoke to them, I think we would know that the overarching storyline would be one of an amazing series of miraculous events occurring in the lives of ordinary people culminating in the birth of Jesus. There would be a sense of wonder and awe 
and being intimately involved in something momentous. But I think if we dug into the backstory a bit, I think a few challenges would come to light. I'm sure that Zechariah and Elizabeth would tell us about living with the shame of not being able to have children. The disappointment of Zechariah at having his hours at the temple cut because of his age. And then of course there was the frustration of being struck dumb for nine months because of his unbelief. Mary and Joseph each had their struggles despite the comfort of angelic messengers coming to give them assurances of God's hand in all of this. They still had to face the challenges of an unexpected teen pregnancy and the consequent parental obligations that come with that. Mary had to face social shaming because of the apparent loss of her virginity. Joseph was pressured by his family and friends to wash his hands of the whole affair and quietly divorce Mary. And then at the worst possible time, the government imposes travel regulations and starts a process of closely monitoring its citizens. So Joseph and Mary are forced to travel to Jerusalem where the only available accommodation is a grubby stable where their son is born in a feeding trough. They'd also have told of their terror when 12 to 18 months after Jesus' birth, King Herod sends out soldiers to murder every baby under the age of two, resulting in them fleeing to Egypt to escape the massacre. The shepherds would have had stories of long hours, low wages and poor working conditions. After all, we know they were working nights when the angel came to visit them at Christmas. And the wise men, although learned and respected in their fields, would have told of the treatment they received being foreigners in that part of the world. How they had to hire bodyguards to protect them as they traveled because of the suspicion and distrust they faced just because they looked different and spoke strangely. Now hopefully you're beginning to see that as we look at the lives of these people involved in the story of Jesus, we begin to see that their world, the world that Jesus came as a revolutionary savior and rescuer into, is a world that is actually not very far removed from our own. We too live in a world where the elderly struggle to find meaning and influence. Unexpected pregnancy still leads to people making life-changing decisions, often based on shame caused by social and family pressure, particularly through social media. Now, luckily, of course, our government would never impose travel restrictions or monitor its citizens. Not, let me point out that I'm passing judgment on these actions. I'm really observing parallels. We may not have a mad king, decreeing that babies under two must be slaughtered. But the killing of babies up until birth is on the verge of becoming a legal reality in the state of South Australia. There are still people who work long hours for little pay under difficult working conditions. We're in an age where academic truths are being treated with suspicion and racial discrimination is often prevalent. We only have to look at our own doorstep when people from China or, or often of just Chinese appearance were persecuted because of conspiracy conspiracy theories regarding the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic. Jesus came to turn the world order of his day on its head. And it turns out that we live under the same world order today. My condolences to those of you who thought that our world issues were unique and somehow an indicator of the last days. If we'd been able to interview Jesus about these events, we would have actually discovered an important fact that Jesus knew what he was coming to do. He was aware of his potential. You see, it wasn't the potential that parents, for instance, see in their children, 
because that's an unknown that parents just hope for. Uh, witness the many kids enduring music lesson, lessons, various sporting codes and social activities, at best in an attempt to find their potential, and at worst, a dreary existence living out the failed dreams of their parents. Jesus was actually aware of his purpose, and we find this in the letter to the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5 tells us that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You are not pleased with burnt offerings, but you have or other offerings for sin. And then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. So Christmas, according to Jesus, did not look at all like the expectations of everyone else. Jesus knew that he was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. He knew that his purpose was to start an uprising, lead a revolution and turn the world order on its head. But even his disciples expected that there was going to be a physical overthrow of their oppressors. But that's not what Jesus did. He gathered to him the poor and the outcast. He healed the sick and raised people from the dead. He brought dignity to the weak. He showed compassion to the helpless. He brought justice to the oppressed. He was love to the unloved. He gave up his freedom and his rights and allowed himself to be humiliated and put to death to secure an eternal future for all who believed. That was the meaning of Christmas according to Jesus 2000 years ago. And I believe that is still the meaning of Christmas today. Jesus wants the same things in today's world that he desired for his own. And as he's not physically with us, the responsibility falls on us to carry on his work. And as we're told in John's gospel, in verse 14, in chapter 14 and verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. So tomorrow, how do we bring Christmas according to Jesus into the lives of the people we're going to spend the festive season with? I believe the essence of what Jesus would have us do is found in Paul's letter to the Colossians. And I'm going to leave you with this. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as, as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Have a great Christmas. <laughs>